every single one of the conversations. Nothing has been done here without us having that. And they are by no means, let me tell you, yes people. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. Because you don't want an autocratic rector. You want a rector in conversation with the vestry. So that they say, well, Reverend Sarah, have you thought about the ramifications of that? Well, no, actually, I was kind of here on this vision thing, and you need to pull me back down to earth. And so it's, we can't, the, canonically, um, we can't do it, we can't make any changes, except that the vestry is 100% on board. And they can share with you later, but um, they have been. They've been a people of faith who have taken this to the Lord in prayer. And they come with amazing gifts and talents, a variety of them. So their gifts differing for the building up of the body. And besides which, if any of you have been around for any number of years here, you will know, hopefully, and if not, be a Nathan to me, like the gospel, like the Old Testament story and the sermon this morning, tell me um, if you see me falling into the sin of spiritual pride or of wanting to bring glory on myself. I hope that I always point to God and give him the glory in all things. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any of us, actually. It's all about God. Um, And so let me tell you God's story. And um, I know some of you who um, attend regularly have heard this over and again, so I'm sorry for the repetition. But, um, and Wayne was on the vestry at this point in time when I first came, so he's heard this ad nauseum over the years. But I said, the land is not ours. It's the Lord's. All of this is not ours. It's not ours to own. The ground is not ours. The buildings are not ours. The church is not ours. The chapel is not ours. The parish hall is not ours. The kitchen is not ours. Nothing that is here is ours. It all belongs to God. And we've just been given the stewardship of it. And the question is, Are we the good steward or the bad steward? It's quite as simple as that. We are just stewards of this land. And I challenged the vestry then, I think I even did it in the call process and in the interview, and you still called me. And that was, even if we quadruple the ASA here, all of this property... All of these buildings cannot just be for this congregation. It's about a church within a community. That it is for, in some way, the community. And we have had that historically. The food bank has been 
From the very inception of the church, Bishop Whipple's wife had a food pantry in her own house. That's part of our DNA, that we do things for the community. And there's always been that sense that God's going to do something here that is going to be for the greater community. And a couple of years ago, Bishop Gregg at Diocesan Convention threw out this challenge, this question. If your church ceased to exist, would anyone apart from your parishioners notice its absence? If the church ceased to exist, would anyone apart from the parishioners, would anyone in Maitland Shores, who's not a parishioner, anyone in Park Lake Townhomes, anyone in the villages, anyone in Eatonville, would they even know that we had ceased to exist? If we're not a life into the community, then we're not following the Great Commission of Jesus. See, God never intended his church to be a hotel for saints, or worse, a club for those who gained admission. In the words of Bishop Whipple, who founded this church, this is a Christian church. We're not here today to build a meeting house for a convenient gathering of worldly men. This will not be a sort of religious lecture room where a Christian orator shall rehearse the shifting opinions of parties and schools. I would like, like the churches of early days, that its doors may always be open to burdened hearts. This church is for all for whom Christ died. This church will be a free church. No ranks, no titles here. For the poorest man on earth may find here his Saviour's home. I trust that the open door and ready welcome of this dear church will speak as only such a church can speak to wanderers' ears. And many such will come to hear and stay to pray and go hence, as men went from Jesus, every whit made whole. I think that's our DNA, because those are the words of the man who founded the Church of the Good Shepherd in 1882. So, how's God been working? Well, you might remember that early on, Monarch School wanted to come and have a preschool here and, and a school. And we went to the city of Maitland, and that was excluded. So I thought, gosh, Lord, that's really something for the community. How come that's not going to work? And that was the first year I was here. Robert Evans who may, many of you remember, Althea's husband came to me and said, Reverend Sarah, we desperately need some after-school life preparation classes for children in the neighborhood because they're getting into drugs and they're going into all kinds of things. We need some kind of after-school programs. And I talked to several of you about that. I shared that with the vestry. But nobody was raised up to really kind of take that and run with it. It was a great idea, 
but nothing came of it. So there's these strands of children, education, life preparation, and then, and when I first shared this with you, I got the timing wrong, I went back and it was a few, a couple of years into my rectorate here, that um, we had um, a funeral for Olga McBride and her daughter, Gail Green, came onto the campus and I think I was doing something with AV in here, something or other, and she handed me this book and she said, I don't know why, but I had to give you this book. And uh, it's written by my granddaughter and her mother. My granddaughter is a nonverbal autistic child. And she could not communicate at all. And yet, through the grace of God, she was able to write this book with her mother. And I read this book, and my heart was just in pieces. This is what Tom Brokaw says about it. it. The full title is, I'm in here, the journey of a child with autism who cannot speak but finds her voice. I'm in here, says Tom Brokaw, is at once heartbreaking and powerfully inspirational. Elizabeth, who is the child with autism, and Virginia, together find their way down the mystifying corridors of autism and arrive in a place of communication through poignant and memorable poetry. It is a lesson in life, love, determination, and awe. And I'm, just, I'm not going to read you a lot. I, I really exhort you to buy this book and read it. Your hearts will be broken and elevated at the same time. The mum wrote this. Beauty bursts forth in the most unexpected places. Tiny flowers push their way through cracks in the asphalt of city streets. And often we glide past these quiet miracles without paying them much heed. But I can't anymore because I live with one of those miracles. My 13-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, she is profoundly affected by autism and cannot speak. Yet she has summoned the courage to remain optimistic. She has shattered the silence of autism and found an escape from its shackles in the beauty of her poetry. This is one of her poems, Bright Future. When you see a tree, think of me growing strong and tall. When you see the sun shining brightly, think of me, tough and mighty. When you see the water on the lake, think of the future I plan to make, me, strong, mighty, free. Even with all her challenges, Elizabeth's determination and optimism never ceased to amaze me. At each stage of her life, she has defied the labels assigned to her. Although she was diagnosed by the so-called experts as mentally retarded at age two and a half, her intelligence has now been tested in the genius range. Her poetry tells us about the inner world of autism and shines a light on the world around us. When I asked Elizabeth how she wanted to introduce her book, she wrote, I want people to find peace in my book. I want them to read my prayers with understanding. Be at peace. God loves you. She may display few emotions, but deep currents of compassion, frustration, and joy flow just beneath the surface. God is everywhere, another poem. 
I could not find the sea, so I sat by a tree to think of all the wonderful things God has made for me. The birds of the air, the animals everywhere, flowers in bloom, my own bedroom, food on the table, poetry and fables, just to name a few. God is great. He gives us so much. I know all things are gifts from God. I am thankful for all that he has given me. Her poetry reminds us that the light of God's love can brighten even our darkest hours. There is a God. I am loved. The sun will shine. I will survive. Autism. Me. I sometimes fear that people cannot understand that I am here. And I know that they don't believe I go to every extreme to express, to try to express my need to talk. If only they could walk in my shoes, they would share my news. I am in here. I'm trying to speak every day in some kind of way. I wrote me to let people know that even though I don't speak, I feel, I understand the world around me. I want to be heard and respected. I want that for everyone, especially for people like me. What's your greatest battle? Mine is autism, says her mother. For more than a decade, I have fought a great battle to heal Elizabeth and Charles. She has a second child with autism. Elizabeth lost her ability to speak at 15 months of age and fell into silence. But I refused to accept that she was lost, because I could sense her keen intelligence, even when she was a toddler. She had communicated with us, using her sparkling eyes and a growing vocabulary, until the day she was given a battery of routine vaccinations. Within a week, her voice was silenced, and all the energy and mischief in her eyes drained away. Elizabeth was officially diagnosed with autism at the Yale University School of Medicine's Child Study Center on May 16, 2000. It's a day I will never forget. After my husband Ray and I watched our children complete two full days of testing, we sat in the cramped, windowless meeting room as the Yale doctor joined us and said, I have good news and bad news for you. We looked at him breathlessly as he continued without emotion. The bad news is both Elizabeth and Charles have autism. The good news is you live in New Jersey, which has the best autism schools in the country. That night, I took Elizabeth in my arms and cried. Don't worry, sweetheart, I told her. Everything will be okay. And she looked into my eyes and blinked her slowly and deliberately, like a stroke victim, to show me that although she could not speak, she understood what I was saying to her. I stroked her hair softly, saying, I know you're in there, honey. We'll get you out. I promise you that we're with that with all my heart. Our journey has been long, and at times I've been in despair and wondered whether I could keep my promise to her. That is why her poetry is so precious. It is her glorious, life-affirming victory. She has always been in there. Autism manifests itself very differently in Charles. It always has. He did not have the sudden regression, but developed language very slowly. 
every educational biomedical intervention that we've used with Elizabeth, we've also used with Charles many times with very different results. That is why this battle can be so maddening for parents. Every child is so different. Charles is our chatterbox, whereas most of the time Elizabeth appears to be locked in her own silent world. But we have learned through her writing that she misses nothing happening around her. She writes that she is in agony because of her inability to speak. Often the only way she can cope is by hitting her head repeatedly with her hand in frustration. The force of her frustration is sometimes so powerful that I feel compelled to put my hand on her forehead to cushion the blows. Sometimes like, times like these are when I most share Elizabeth's agony. I thank God that she has found a voice through her poems, such as this one where she projects herself into a beautiful future by dreaming it into being. I'm a dreamer, that's me. The south of France I want to see, to travel to a distant shore. There is something more. I want to visit a place where I can help people in need. Maybe to feel or plant a seed. These are my dreams. I want to do this in my lifetime. She was finally unlocked from her silence by her mother taking her to a specialist in uh, Austin, Texas, where she taught her how to laboriously point out letters on an alphabet board. And when Elizabeth finally learned to compose complete sentences, one of her first was, I finally got to talk. I can't sit still. What's wrong with me? My body is doing things I can't explain. My dignity I'm trying to maintain. People stare at me when I rock and shake. I don't know how much more I can take. So much to deal with going on inside me. I wish I could get better. I want to be set free from my silent cage. Some of the people at school who do not know me make me feel uncomfortable. They stare at me. I would not rock and shake if I could stop it. It just happens sometimes. I wish they could understand, but mostly I wish I could explain it to them. And then I just got one more, two more. There are people everywhere. They could use a prayer today. Everyone has a need. Take it to God with speed. Plant a garden, watch it grow. The more you tend it, the more you will sow. People are like that as well. You have to remember to treat them well, and they too will grow and bloom for you. I'm so blessed. Whenever I'm stressed, there are people there for me. I can see their love and support surround me, and I can face the world and all that it sends my way. I need to say thank you. Those are the children that God is sending our way. That's a huge blessing. That we get to be a part of that community. But you see, we will receive as much a blessing as we will give them. And the other truth is we need to grow as a church. Churches either grow or die. There's no staying the same. As much as we'd like to keep things absolutely exactly the same, the reality is it never stays the same. 
we have to grow because the Lord's told us to go into all the world preaching the good news and baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit the largest percentage of our congregation is 60 years and over you can do the math we all die We know as a vestry, we have known that we need to grow. That we need to be out in the community. We need to be sharing Christ into those generations who do not yet know Christ. Since I've been here, we've increased our 40 to 59 range, but it's still a small percentage of our total congregation, our total membership is over 60. And then there's the financial reality. Last year, our budgeted pledge income was $188,000. Our total expenses, $288,000. The math is that we were short $100,000. There's a category in there that I've actually said to the vestry, we should name from other income to the Lord will provide because he provides through special gifts from people. I've got another income that's fundraising, I've got another income item that's non-pledged, that's just people who come and give, and that means we've got to have more people who come to give. It's just a financial reality. It is just the expenses. We are bare bones on our expenses. When I first came, I was literally, well not literally, but almost counting paper clips at least as many as we were buying, so that we could keep the expenses under control. And there has been change over the last six and a half years. Pat asked me a few uh, months ago, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, um, what, um, you know, how many new people there had been since I've been here? And I said, well, gosh, I haven't really looked at that. So we went through the directory. Over 50% of this congregation now has come since I arrived. That is not me. That's the Lord who has brought the people who needed to be here. But that's been a gradual change. The one we're looking at is a dramatic change. But both your vestry and myself are convinced that this is where the Lord is leading us. And we can't grieve his Holy Spirit by refusing to go where he leads. The Lord brought us Cameron, what is it, a year and a half, two years ago? I'm not good on timelines. Um, they all, I, I remember things by kind of visible pieces and I don't get the timeline always straight. But you've heard that story, and it's too long a story to tell here. But, um, you know, here comes Cameron, who has these gifts, and who has this vision for a ministry in the area where we need it. We didn't have any money. We had no money. Then, well, we had received um, a bequest, and then out of the blue... Uh, we learned that we had some more money out of that bequest a year later that we didn't even know was still out there. And we did our math and we kind of pulled together and the vestry, and I said, I'm not making this decision on my own. You're, are, we, are we in with this? Or, you know, uh, we can't go there. 
They stepped off the ledge in faith and said, um, well, we think we can pull together a year's worth. And I'm thinking, well, uh, and I told a couple of people, I'm also, I feel so committed that this is the Lord's doing that I will give 100% of my stipend and housing back into the pot to pay for Cameron for another six months, if that's what it's going to take. Cameron and Hannah stepped off the ledge in faith because they knew that. I wasn't pulling them down under false pretenses. And they also chose to step out in faith to do that. See, he's brought Cameron here to have a ministry to youth, to families, young families, and to young adults. My time's taken up 100% with the current congregation that we have. There are a lot of pastoral needs with a congregation that is 60 and older. And sometimes there are weeks that I am just worn out with the pastoral needs of the congregation. And Deacon Dick's been here, but he's also had his own physical ailments, Sandra's physical ailments. We needed somebody who could relate to the younger demographic, and the Lord brought us Cameron, and he is here to do that ministry. So here's God's perfect economy. All of the threads of what we do for the community, children, education, life preparation, special needs children, going out to the younger demographic, how do we afford that? God fills all of those needs in one fell swoop. By having somebody drive onto our campus who, when asked afterwards, well, why did you think we might have some room, said, I was driving by, and I just felt compelled to come in and ask if you had any room for a special needs school, because we have 40 special needs students from first grade through high school, and we have 20 on a waiting list. And I said, well, let's go ahead and talk about that. And we were going to have a meeting the next day, and she called and said, um, no, that's been cancelled. They want to look elsewhere. And I went home that evening, and I said, Lord, this seemed so right. I wasn't even thinking about what the rental income could be at that point in time. I'm just thinking, this seems to fit all of those strands. So, if this is a view, Lord close every other possible door that they might try and walk through and make this the only one. And a month later, on April the 5th, she called up and said, well, we've tried to find other places, but it just doesn't seem to have worked for us. Can we come in and have a conversation with you again? Meanwhile, Mark, because... Uh, He's had knee surgery and can't do what he normally does, which is energize a bunny 24-7. Um, need, sorry, Mark. Need, did, you know, was getting bored. And so Kathleen said, Mark will help you in the office. 
And so Mark did, and I'm going, well, you know, first of all, we just need bulletins folded, Mark. Well, that's okay, and he did this project, and he did that project, and then in the new year, um, he started to take the initiative on some other projects, of course, right? And so he says, Sarah, Reverend Sarah, you don't have any fire alarms anywhere on this campus. I said, no, that's probably expensive. And uh, he said, well, I'm just going to look at it and see. Then he said, um, you know, what about your insurance? And I said, well, we've got the policy. I don't know that everybody, anybody's ever read through it. And he said, well, I'll do that. And, uh, and, and just recently, um, they came out. Uh, we've been paying $4,200 over what we should be paying, and so we've had a rebate for that amount from our insurance. So, are there other people with those gifts and talents? Um, absolutely. Was Mark here for such a time as this with all of the time available and all of the time he was willing to give? Um, yeah, he was here. Yes, we, we have amazing gifts amongst all of our congregation. But he came at this time. I asked him to sit in on that and clearly understood by the end of that meeting. He just happened to be here. I didn't think about it ahead of time. I said, you know, I've got this meeting today. Will you sit in on it? And at the end of the day, I thought, yes, thank you, Lord. You put that right in place because I was clearly out of my depth. Um, I was thinking vision and he was going, da-dum, 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 da-dum. And so I said, would you take the lead on it, Mark? And he has. I can't tell you the number of hours he's worked. Because the other thing is, is that he's been just down the road and on the campus and till 9 o'clock at night. And um, I, I know he gets embarrassed, so I won't say more. But the zoning in, itself, in and of itself was, um, was it 80 copies you hand-folded of the boundary survey? 80 copies. And he gave them to them and was told that they weren't quite folded right, so he had to go back and refold them all over again. We needed a new boundary survey. He brought it down from 6,000 to 2,600. Um, he's been meeting with the fire marshal, the, the battalion chief, the insurance company, the signage people, Jacqueline Holt, numerous times. He got the fire alarm bid down from 65,000 to 49,000 and made sure as he was going around on the campus that it would be the least obtrusive possible. He did the memorandum of understanding, all the details of usage, the rental monies, which, by the way, completely cover Cameron's packet. Amen. See, that's God's economy. We just had to step out in faith. That was the first piece, these other strands. And God says, oh, I can tie those all up in a bow and a perfect packet. And here it is. Here's your gift. So we've been moving, 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 moving. That's another thing that he's been doing. I keep worrying that his knee is going to go out again and we're going to be responsible for it. Because he slept out more junk from more rooms that we even knew existed, I think. But during that same meeting with Christian and Marguerite, I said, um, you know, I'm just not interested in a straight rental. 
I mean, I had no idea at that point in time what that rental income would be, but I just said, I'm not, I'm not interested in a straight rental. I want this to be a relationship. I want our family to be involved in your family. I want us to be able to love these children, to reveal the love of Christ to them, and I know they're going to bless us as well. And there were at least three of us that were very emotional at the end of that, because that's exactly what they wanted. Because they don't get measurably more room, and they get older facilities. But they want a relationship with us. And they get to be in the middle of these grounds, which, thanks to the Landscape Committee, are a place of sanctuary. They come on and they say, it's so serene here. It's so calming for these children. It's such a beautiful place. But you see, the other thing that they're excited about is that they are doing life preparation skills for the children. So the children learn how to clean bathrooms. The children learn how to organize knives, forks, spoons, and all of that kind of stuff because you know these children like order. They do not like disorder. They like things in its place, and everything has a place, and they like everything in its place. They do car washes. They, learn, they are taught how to vacuum. They're taught how to do gardening, how to do weeding, how to raise vegetables. Do you see why they love this campus? They're going to be cleaning bathrooms here. They're going to be washing floors here. They're going to be doing laundry here if we have events and we need clean tablecloths. They are going to be getting this campus so clean, you won't believe it because those are the life skills that they are being taught. We think we're doing this for us. We're going to receive so much from these children and so much love because they give a lot. So the details. The school will be renting the back building. Can't tell you how many names it's been called, so just call it the back building. And they'll also be calling, they'll be using dedicated space in the wing where we had the children's ministries. So that's all been approved by the vestry. Before I did this, let me tell you, I talked to the people involved and asked them, said, is that going to be okay? Now, change is difficult. But they acknowledged the fact that this was some a good that would happen. The parish hall is shared usage with them. They'll use it primarily during school hours for gym and packed lunches, not cooked lunches, packed lunches. However, they understand that if we need it for funeral receptions, those will take precedence. They're not intransigent. They're very flexible. They just want to have a relationship with us. They'll use what we call the back 40 for sports activities for the children. They'll be doing the needed work back there. Whatever needs to be done in that back building and that building to get it up, up to code for a school, 
They'll be doing it at their own expense. They'll be constructing a fence along the rear of the property where there is no wall, possibly looking at putting one down there, down the road. They'll also have usage of the playground during school years, although once a month when mops are meeting here with the mopettes, they'll be able to use the playground. The church will take on the expense of installing the fire intrusion alarm systems which Mark had already started to get in place, God's economy. And we need it anyway. So we're going to be doing that. Initially, all of these buildings, and hopefully the chapel church and education wing, if we can raise the money before the end of the year. So access into rooms will be different than it has been and as we grow appropriately so each building and room will have a security alarm panel, different codes will be given to different groups, it will be necessary to put meetings on the parish calendar so that there's no room conflicts. Please make sure that you tell Terry any room requests. She's got a gazillion calendars now so that we don't have those conflicts and unhappy people. Canonically, only the rector has full usage of all of the buildings and grounds with the wardens having oversight responsibility. And I know we're family, but things have been squirreled away in places without anybody knowing anything about it. And it's just proliferated in every single crevice and corner of the campus. But as we grow, we can't do that anymore. The school will pay... Of course, the breakfast teams have full access to the parish hall, the kitchens. The children's ministry have full access to the bathrooms. The children's wing, the altar guild, has full access to the church, the chapel, the sacristies, the bathrooms etc. The school will pay the appropriate percentage of monthly monitoring costs for the fire alarm system, the monthly fees. They'll pay an additional 350 per month for water and 350 for electricity. If those go over and above what they were last year, they'll pay the difference. All of that has been hammered out by Mark in the lease and the memorandum of understanding. Believe me, the detail stuff is amazing, and I could not have done it. And I know that some of you could have come up, but he was here with available time. And by golly, he has been here all the time, weekends and way into the evenings. The 91200 per year, by the way, for the first two years, increases to 103200 for the remaining three years in the contract. So, we've required sacrifice and compromise from many ministries on the campus, and we've been reminded yet again that we don't own the closets. We don't own the rooms. We're merely stewards of this place. The choir will be rehearsing in the church instead of the choir room and probably just on a Sunday morning we'll look into getting pew cushions for their bottoms to make it more comfortable. 
The books that they use in the service have been rehoused in the priest's sacristy closet. The altar guild has emptied that closet out for them. Some of the choir library is now in the prayer ministry room, what was the old library, with space made available by Tabitha's treasures, with some of the music stored in what was the library annex and in the main office. Yes, we've got a huge music library. The children's ministries, Godly Play and Nursery, have moved into what was the choir room and the bride's room, which has been filled with baby toys for moppets for a couple of years now, perhaps terrifying some of the brides who have gotten ready <laughs> The leftover rummage has variously been stored on the stage in the back of the meeting room wing and has actually proliferated a little bit all over the campus. That's been consolidated into two cages above the stage and we'll need to go back to being very careful not to receive anything in advance of future possible rummage sales and that meeting is taking place this coming week. The live nativity props and costumes have been moved to the shed and a dedicated cage above the stage. The administrative archives that were in the cages and then in the back office of the meeting room wing are still a work in progress. If you look in Roberta's hall, you'll see what I mean. Um, the historical archives are back in the old library. See, we've been kind of moving one thing to here, to here, to here. See, the thing is, is that you can't move by committee. Have any of you tried to put new furniture into a house with your spouse? And you've each got different, very different ideas as to where the furniture belongs. And somebody finally has to say, I'm in charge. And it's going to go there. And I know you might have liked it somewhere else, but in actual fact, we've just got to get it done because we're on warp speed. Uh, the GA groups have now come into the parish hall to meet. Zona's moved back to her old office. Cameron will be in what was the library annex, what was the bookkeeper's office, what was Zona's old office, and now is Cameron's office and also some archives in there and a couple of large closets. The scouts, thanks to David Gurdon, have removed their stuff from the scout closet, so that's now available and part of what was originally going to be um, the building for uh, the Salandine School for the upper grades there. So why the hurry? Can you imagine? Eight, first meeting, March. Second meeting, April 5th. We're June 12th. We've had a memorandum of understanding. We've put all of the documents in for zoning. We've signed a five-year lease, and they've started to move onto the campus and paint the classrooms and change out, and they'll be changing out locks and things because school starts on August the 10th. And any of you who know, who have done renovation in your own homes, know that it never goes smoothly. And it's always delayed. And so we just needed to move at the speed that the Lord has us moving. And believe her, you, you me, you know, we're, we're hanging on to God's coattails as he's just kind of going really fast. Really fast. So we needed to chunk out places so that the fire alarm people could come in and actually put the cabling through places and didn't have to climb over 
various and sundry pieces of equipment and kill themselves in the process. So they've had to start moving things on because they had the first two weeks in June where they could have help with the teachers while school was still in progress. Now school is out and so they don't have that body of people to help move their things because those parents are now looking after their special needs children. So they had a two-week window to get things into storage, to get things set so that they could get the work done in time. And so that's why it's been moving so very quickly. Um, I'm, I'm going to take questions in a minute and have you all, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hitting all of the points. Um, um, I, I tried to talk to most everybody who is in leadership. I didn't do that well. Um, I acknowledge that. I, I, I didn't get to everybody. Um, truthfully, it went so fast. We only just signed the lease this last week. Um, I just, I just, and then we had our scheduled uh, vacation time away. I'd already committed to going up to the Shoda House, bought the ticket, all of those things. So there was kind of a two weeks were there where I was taken out of the mix. And, and I'm sorry. I, I really ask your forgiveness for not talking to everybody. But I couldn't. I, I, honestly, I, I just, I tried to hit the main leadership. And if I didn't get you, and I'm really sorry. I really am. Um, and I hope you'll forgive me for that. Um, Patty leaving was difficult with the choir to let them know because she was not going to be leading that choir anymore. So I talked to some members of the choir, but I didn't get to all of the choir. I did get to some and let them know what was going on, but I, I couldn't get to everybody, and the choir was out without leadership at that point in time. And I expect that you think there was a better way. I expect there was a better way. But this is the way that it got done. And I don't think it got done really badly. might not have gotten done the way some people would have liked for it to get done. But it has been done. And we're going to get a blessing out of it. Paddy told me at the beginning of the year that she wanted to leave at the end of May. And I asked when she wanted to let the choir and congregation know she wanted to wait until after Easter, which I honoured, except that I did tell her that I needed to tell the vestry as the leadership, but that I could count on them being very discreet and holding the information confidential, and they did. She's been an amazing choir director for the last five and a half years and was one of those other godsends walking onto the campus because God told her to walk onto the campus. But she came to me over a year ago saying, I think the Lord is calling me to something else. And I said, Paddy, that's your discernment. You have to discern that, and I have to be willing to let you go if that is God's call. So um, she came again at the beginning of this year and said, it is time. 
and uh, things might not look the same. In fact, they rarely do when we have those kind of changes, which is why over the summer we've kind of got this eclectic thing going on um, in all of these different ministries um, in, uh, in, in the choir. Um, so we'll just have to wait on the Lord for that. Who he's going to bring? Someone who's out there, who's not released from wherever they are, they're not ready, or whatever it is, um, we're just waiting on the Lord until he brings somewhere. So that's the current state. And I'll close with these poems by Elizabeth before opening up the forum for some very brief questions at this point. Sorry. Hard things. When I'm alone, I often wonder about my life and the things I plan to do. I know that there will be strife and sacrifice, but all things worthwhile come with a price if you want to accomplish your dreams. The power of prayer is soulfully strong. The Bible has told of it all along. Look to God. He'll see you through. He wants to take care of you. Trust in him and believe. I'd add that I share with the vestry every once in a while something that the Episcopal Church Foundation puts out. It says, in a parish there are always fires. There are always fires to be put out. And we're all firemen. And we've got two buckets. We've got one bucket that's water, and we've got one bucket that's filled with gasoline. Which one are we going to pour on the fires? Any questions? On the website, um, yeah, I, I did put a link on the weekly news. I'll put it back on there again. And it's Celandine Life Preparatory School, and it's now a Christian not-for-profit school. And um, and we again did the due diligence both financially and as far as what was heard in the community and. Um, so we had Catherine, who's in that community, kind of put out feelers, and all of the words that she got back were very, very positive. Will we be involved in any sort of a chapel program? I know I've heard that word. Yeah, this was another prayer of mine over the years, that we would be able to have a children's chapel service in the chapel. And, um, and I hadn't shared that with Mark, and I don't think I've shared it with many people, or maybe, um, but um, in the middle of the negotiations between the school and Mark, he forwarded me an email from Kristen saying, I wonder if you would ask Reverend Sarah if she would be willing to hold a chapel service for our children once a week. No, we don't yet because um, um, <laughs> another unfortunate thing is, or fortunate, I don't know whichever way, we had booked a family vacation at the beginning of the year um, for to go to Canada in August. <laughs> so six days after the school starts, we'll be in Canada. So I think we need to, to get them settled in for a little bit. Um, I think we need to look at the fire safety on the chapel. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, we might we, we might have it, but pretty pretty soon. 
tradition. Um, yes. How do you address the situation of people that are participants in the food bank being on campus with children? Yeah, do you want to handle that, Mark? Um, the school said at this point in time that that is not an issue or a problem that they already participate in food banks in other communities. And they're going to have security locks on all of the buildings. They have to have the safety locks um, on all of those buildings. So they, you know, the children are secure anyway. And I think they're going to have keypad coded or something or other entry. And then they have a really good um, ratio of um, teacher to child. We could come back again next week if you'd like some more questions, but we can certainly, yeah. Um, let's. Would you prefer one online? Would you prefer one online? Yeah. Would you prefer one online, or do you want? Okay. 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 Um, the other thing is, is that you can always come in and talk to Mark and I, or the vestry. You can call any of the vestry members. They pretty much know everything that's going on. Um, but we'll see what we can do. I'm not sure the logistics of that. Well, I don't think it's been projected yet, but like the, the revenue that we're getting in, are we setting aside 10% of that as a gift to the community or Um, well, at this point in time, the budget is pretty tight, so that covers um, Cameron. And you know, we can go over the figures, but the you know the budget, the that kind of covers the the shortfall in the operating uh, budget, unless of course people pledge more, unless we get more pledged income um, to make up the difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, again, one of the things is that we've got to have very good signage. One of the things that we're looking at